Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Problem with Authority podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Kelly, and today we will be talking about the problem with the impact of COVID in the school system. So as a lot of you may know, I am a school social worker, and this year, I mean, it, we haven't even been that far into the year where today's October 3rd. Happy October 3rd, everybody. Uh, but this year has been a little crazy. Uh, I've heard from other social workers that have been working in my school district for a few years and my supervisor that the beginning of this year was probably one of the most rough ones that they've had. And I really think that COVID had a huge impact on that. And today I will just be going over a few points that I've noticed with my students and just the school system as a whole. So for people that, you know, are interested in maybe how it is impacting the kids, uh, if they have to do a school report on it, I don't know. If you care about this, go ahead and keep listening. So we're going to just jump right into it. All right. The first point here I have is attendance. So in our county, we have high truancy rates, especially at the two schools that I have, but COVID has increased this problem. And truancy, for those of you that don't know, is when students really just don't show up to school for no reason. You know, we don't get a call saying, hey, they're sick, there was a death in the family, uh, we're on vacation, nothing like that. The kids just don't show up, which is scary because, you know, legally kids do have to come to school. And a lot of the times, when they're not showing up, you know, there's stuff going on at home, which the school, in the school system, you know, I'm a social worker and I can help with a lot of those things, but it's hard to assist families when we can't even get their kids in school. And this is, it's it's scary and it, it causes a lot of problems and definitely trickles down, you know, to the students' anxiety and stress when they're in school, that social anxiety, but their education as a whole what they're able to, you know, retain and what they're able to be there for is all they get. So a lot of the times they're behind in classes, that social emotional interaction they're not getting with their peers. It it just has a really big impact on them. And with high truancy rates, you know, we had these high truancy rates before COVID, but COVID has definitely increased that problem. So we have this thing in the system, the education system called QP which is quarantine present. So nobody knows, nobody has any idea what they're doing when it comes to um, quarantine present or how to deal with if one student tests positive, how to, how to quarantine like the whole class and different things like that. Schools are not being honest about um, reporting how many students have actually tested positive for COVID. So it's just a hot mess. Like basically just picture everything being a hot mess because that's what it is. And so what's happening is like, say one student tests positive for COVID, every school is different how they do it, but they somehow come up with a list of kids that have to be quarantined because they were around that kid, whether because they're in the same friend group, whether because they're in the same class, Uh, whatever it may be. So then those students are sent home, which is called QP, quarantine present. And they are, every student in our county, we have been, we have given them access to computers and Wi-Fi boxes. That was a thing last year when everybody was online. And this year they, you know, received those same resources, but it's been an issue because it's taken a long time for those laptops to be set up is what I've heard from my kids. 
Um, a lot of the times teachers uh, don't get around to making sure that those kids have their work. And I'm not blaming teachers. Like the teachers, I don't know how teachers do what they do and, and, and do their job. They're honestly amazing. I couldn't do, I could not teach and, and deal with all the other things that they have to deal with. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of issues in our system that don't work. And a lot of the time it's not, it's not the, you know, professionals. Most of the time it's not the per the professionals fault like teachers because um, a lot of times they're not trained or they don't have access or they didn't even know that the kid was QP, like a lot of communication issues. But some of my students have said, yeah, we don't get work um, while we're quarantine present. So the kids are just at home. And with that new thing that DeSantis passed in Florida, I don't even know what it's, what, if there's like a specific thing or like a specific title that it has, but basically what he passed was that the the kids don't have to i think it's like they don't have to pass they don't have to test negative or something to come back to school so basically the kids can just be qp forever and be like i'm sick you know like the the tiktok and then parents just don't have to bring them back which makes our job so much harder like the other day i have a student that attendance just has always been an issue then they were QP and I was like, oh my God, they're never going to come back. And then they came back and I emailed my social workers that are involved with this student. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're back. Like we have to celebrate the little things. I'm so happy. And when the kids come to school, I'm like, I'm so happy to see you. Like we missed you, you know, just trying to get them excited about being there. And it's not their fault. It's not their fault that they can't show up, you know, especially my elementary and middle kids. They do not drive to school they can't they they they're they're babies it's not their fault that they're not getting to school uh so just making sure that you know when they are there that we're loving on them that we're supporting them and not blaming them for missing the school that they're missing and just honestly meeting the kid where they're at and doing the best that we can uh that's basically how i've seen a lot of teachers admin and staff trying to deal with deal with that deal with this barrier and also, too, in my county, we have a lot of socio lower socioeconomic um, areas, and a lot of our families don't really have access to health care. So that's a struggle when getting these kids to get a COVID test and also like medical treatment if it does get to a point where they can't handle it. And it's actually crazy. Our district hired a whole group of BSW social workers called social liaisons to tackle the attendance issue, which is so helpful for me. I literally love, I love my, I love my social liaison that I work with. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, because they were having attendance issues, like when everybody was online, like they couldn't get kids to uh, check in on their computers or anything like that. But now there's kids that just don't even didn't even show up to the first day of school. So we have no idea where they are, uh, which is uh, it's so stressful and scary, especially with some of our students where we know their situation is just not the best. And we we want to make sure that, you know, there's no child left behind. And a lot of children are getting left behind and falling through the cracks because we just can't track them down. And there's a lot a there's a lot of uh, turnover and a lot of low staff like we a lot of people are quitting. A lot of people are not showing up, um, which affects 
you know, everything, literally everything in the school system and the education system, not having enough bodies to watch these kids. You have guidance counselors now doing lunch duty and covering classes because guidance counselors and deans, even some of the social workers I've heard, they've tried to help out because there's just nobody there. And that that just doesn't help, doesn't help the situation at all. Uh, But let's move on to anxiety and stress. So we have seen an increase in auditory hallucinations in our students, which I've, you know, talked about it with my other social workers. And we think that, you know, it could be linked to the stress of school and the home life and the lack of access to like mental health resources in general and not being able to process trauma, you know, and the barriers to that is money, transportation, parents, and more. So this is this is really interesting. I, I didn't think that I would meet this many kids that have auditory hallucinations. I thought that that would be a lot more rare, but my supervisor has talked with me about it a lot, and she was like, yeah, there is an increase. And I mean, I we can definitely see the link between the stress and the lack of access to to resources and for the kids to be able to have that space to process what the hell is going on because my kids go through so much so much like school and education honestly for them is at in the back of their mind because of because of the stuff that they're going through at home and and you know as it should be like they shouldn't be blamed for that like they a lot of them are in like survival mode fight or flight mode and i we see that coming out. And I think auditory hallucinations and them not being able to process. Like, for example, in in the school system, my role as a social worker, you know, we do uh, counseling with individuals. We do groups. We connect families to resources. We do mental health referrals to make sure that our kids can get therapy outside of school. Uh, we help with, you know, the fit kids, making sure they have uniforms and food, and and we connect people to targeted case managers or wraparound services. So we do a lot. There's a lot that I do in my job, and there's never a dull moment. I am really working that eight to three thirty schedule. Like there's not often that I have a moment of silence, uh, but these things really impact our kids. And a lot of the time when the kids come to me and they're, and they start talking to me about the things that they're going through, they've never, were never given the tools or resources to cope. So a lot of my students, I have a lot of students who've lost parents and they, the, they lost them like a few years ago, but they're still they, they never got to process that. So that on top of them not having enough food, not having clothes, uh, COVID still going on, the stress of COVID, plus being yelled at, you know, in the school because of whatever the school, you know, decides to yell at them about. It's just, it's too much. It's it's too much. And I we're, we're seeing mental health, a mental health decline, basically. Suicidal ideation as well. I, I, I'm not sure if there's been an increase in suicidal ideation. I haven't you know, gone over data with, you know, with numbers with anybody else, but I have seen a lot of it. Uh, But those auditory hallucinations, yes, which is scary because those need to be addressed immediately. And just these poor babies, honestly, guys, like just be thankful that you are not a kid right now in school if you're not. And then just love on the people that do have kids right now in the school system down here in Florida because it is a hot mess and I feel for these babies so much and we only do what we can you know we cannot 
help everybody and that's really hard to deal with. Uh, All right, next is education. So with low attendance and high stress, leave students not being able to focus on education. Like I said, they're in survival, fight or flight mode. And a lot of students just drop out or don't show up. So really, honestly, like I, when I talk to my kids and when I see what's going on in the classrooms, I just really wonder if anybody's really learning anything. Like I say it all the time, like we should just all shut down, take a few months, you know, let's all take a break. Let's all take a middle break and then come back. Because honestly, like I'm not sure how much these kids are learning or comprehending or retaining because of everything that's going on. And that also plays too into my next point, which is that social emotional aspect of things. So I especially see this with my elementary schoolers and my kindergartners because they were, a lot of them just didn't go to pre-K last year or they were like in an online type like pre-K format or not an online pre-K, but like online little groups that they did or my kindergartners that were kindergartners last year now in first grade and they were online for kindergarten, they still are kindergartners, if that makes sense. So everybody lost a year of social social interactions with people, which you can tell in our babies. And the reason why I'm laughing and smiling, it's because, you know, they're little and it's so cute to, to just watch it. But at the same time, like they're really struggling, you know, with how to interact with their peers. And it can be overwhelming for them, you know, being with all these people and having all these demands of them. And um, especially too, with emotional regulation, you know, kids in general, like that's something that they're they're learning and but a lot of the times with the anxiety and the stress of like of having to be back in an environment where there's this many people that social anxiety and then not being able to calm themselves with that anxiousness anxiousness has been I've seen I've seen some students really struggle and I just feel for them because it it sucks like they just were born at this time and this is what they're going to have to deal with and it's interesting uh, to think about what those long-term impacts might be on them. Uh, in the school, we run groups and we give lessons in social emotional areas, problem solving, coping skills, and different things like that, which is such a high need, but the school schedule and like how much testing they still put these kids through does not always allow time for that. So that's a barrier and getting everybody on the same page, like guidance and, and trying to work with our schedules, it, it's, it can be hard. Like I'm trying to start to run groups at both of my schools and it's been a struggle, but I know that these kids need it and trying to make sure that like we don't pull them out of core classes. But then at the same time, like there's sometimes no other time to pull them because we can't, the way we have to match the students and connect them to a group, it's a lot. Uh, but that social emotional to me, honestly, like their well-being is my number one priority uh, because if they're not well, if they're not feeling themselves and okay, then nothing else is going to. Their behavior, th- their their test scores, their schoolwork, all of that stuff is not going to fall in line. It, it's not going to Uh, look the best if their well-being is not uh, taken care of first. And for those of you that don't know, because of what happened with the Parkland shooting in Florida, uh, it's a state mandate that there be one social worker and one psychologist in the school. Um, I I, I think it's at least one day a week for elementary, two for middle, 
in high school, I don't know if they have to be there four times a week, but the high school social workers need to be there because there's so many kids. Um, and that's another thing too. Like my middle school is huge. We have so many kids. We have so many kids, not enough staff, not enough resources. That's honestly a quick summary of what's going on. Um, but with that, with what happened with Parkland and there having to be a mandated school psychologist and school social worker in there, there is also a mandate by the state that the students are given social emotional lessons and also this other thing called seeking safety, which is to help prevent uh, uh, sexual abuse or harassment, you know, within the school system as a whole. So, these things are great, but like implementing them, there are so many barriers. And I struggle with that because these kids need it. Like I make so many mental health referrals a week, connecting these kids to services. And then a lot of the time, like the parents don't follow through or there's a transportation issue. And that's another thing. So last year during COVID, a lot of the agencies that we partner with that provide the families and students with therapy, they weren't they, it was only virtual, which for kids, no, that's not going to, virtual therapy is not always going to work for some maybe, but the, like all of them, no. So a lot of the students hated it. And now, uh, a lot of our agencies are still virtual. Some of them are willing to come into the school or take students and families after school, but not all of them, because that's a huge issue. Like we have single parent homes where the parents work and they don't have time to take the kid to therapy. So it's really nice when the therapist will come to the school and do sessions with them, but that's not like it was before COVID. So that creates another barrier, which that kid ends up not seeing services. And yes, I do individual counseling in the school, but there's no way that me and the psychologist can have like a caseload where we counsel kids back to back to back because there's so many other things that we do. So it, it's, again, it's this cool little idea, but it's not working. And then a lot of our kids are falling through the cracks, which uh, it's just, it's terrible. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about nutrition And this is something that blows my mind and I hate it and I need it to be fixed immediately. So at the middle school level, especially, I'm not sure if this is COVID related, but I need to talk about it because we're talking about the school system. A lot of my kids will not eat lunch because of how bad it is. And that is so concerning. Um, And a lot of my students only have the option to eat the free breakfast and lunch. Like they don't have the option to bring food from home because there is not food at like extra food at home. And then the students that are able to bring lunch to school at the middle school age, it can be hard when it comes like the responsibility of it, right? So like their parents are working, their parents don't have time to pack their lunch and like leaving that up to a middle school, a middle schooler, you know, they're going to forget to pack it, which is totally like appropriate for their age. But like, uh, like then they just don't eat. And that affects like that can lead to fatigue for them, disordered eating, sleepiness, low energy, higher anxiety because they're not, they're just literally not putting anything in their body. I don't even know if these kids are drinking water, dehydration, which, you know, for I love looking at things and the person from a holistic approach and they're not getting like so many of their needs are not meet, being met. 
You know, we see, we've talked about like attendance. They're not on a routine. They're not interacting with their peers. There is so such high anxiety and stress, which is um, leading into showing other symptoms like suicidal ideation, auditory hallucinations, education, like they're struggling in school because of a lot of these things was puts more stress on them, that social emotional aspect of things. And then now we're getting to nutrition plus all the shit that they have to deal with at home with whatever the hell their home situation is. So like bottom line is it's not good. These kids, I don't, the fact that there's, they're resilient number one, but I just, I, I don't know how they do what they do and they're amazing and they deserve so much praise and love and support because I just, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. And they need, I remember, cause I was talking to some, uh, some friends that like, you know, when we were back in high school or middle school and they were talking about like, I remember loving the school lunch. Like it was so good. And I was like, yeah, I remember that. Like, I remember people being excited to eat lunch and go get the food. No, these kids are not eating it. And I don't have the funds to feed the entire school. I do have snacks and stuff for like some kids that really come in or like, miss, like I don't have this or, you know, this is going on and and try and feed some of them, but I cannot feed all of them. And I hate that. I hate that so much because they need food. They need food to function. They need food to function, which can lead to them too being irritable, which could lead them to, you know, fighting and all of those things. It's just, it's all connected. It all intersects. And a lot of these issues trickle down, you know, trickle down from the people at the top. And, and I just, I, I don't know. I just wish there's so many, there's all of these issues to me, like as a social worker in my training, I can, I could totally put things in place to fix, but you know, I don't, I'm not an, I'm not an admin. I'm here to support the school and, and do the best that we can. And I can suggest things, but admin a lot of the time doesn't even have the capacity to help make these changes. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to, uh, I have a, a school social worker on Instagram. Some of you guys might know if you're social workers and you're on social media, social work scrapbook, Lauren, she's amazing. And she's a social worker in Texas. And it was funny the other day she posted on her story, uh, this like little closet, like this clothing closet where people donate clothes. And that's another issue that I've had. So with our fit kids, we only give them school uniforms. We don't give them like after school clothes, like pajamas, day-to-day clothes and things like that, which those kids need that. It's not just the school uniforms they need. And so I was looking at Lauren's story and in Texas, they have a whole like goodwill type thing that is free for children's and families. And I asked her, I was like, is this closet in your school? And she replies, no, it's at our parent engagement center. And I like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's cute. A parent engagement center. Like, I wish, I wish we had that in Florida. Like, we, no, like nobody cares about the education system down here. It's so bad. It's so, so bad. High turnover. They don't pay teachers enough. I don't even think they pay social workers enough. I think we need more money for what we do, especially with a master's degree. But that's a whole other, that's a whole other story. Um, But like, I feel like now doing what I'm doing in Florida in Osceola County, I can take on anything because man, I wish you guys could, could follow me for a day in a life of what I do. 
because it's just unbelievable. Honestly, sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, this is the issue that we're dealing with. And how do we best support the student and the family, like where they're at right here. And it's a lot of following up. It's a lot of fighting for the kids and their families. It's a lot of like, it's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of showing them that we're there and that we care and that we're not giving up on them, which can be hard to do when our caseloads just kind of keep growing because every day you, you're you kind of pulled into a different situation where a student needs help. Uh, but yeah, that's it for today, everybody. Uh, I hope this helps everybody get some insight on what's going on with the school system and how COVID has impacted everything and has made everything a lot worse. Um, I know if you are an educator or in the system, you are probably shaking your head like, yep, 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 and probably have a lot of things to add, but hang in there. Uh, You guys are a blessing. People that are that are teaching, that are admin, that have made the decision to do this, school social workers. It is a lot. It is a lot, but these kiddos need us and we just can do, we do the best that we can. And then sometimes that's just, that's all that, that's all that we can do. And I'll tell a little story before we go, but for an example of, you know, doing the best that you can and that's all you can do. I had some students that, Uh, that needed some food like they weren't eating the school lunch at all and they had recently gone through a loss so I was really feeling for them and I literally texted my mom I was like mom would you like donate some food to me for the kids because I had some I had a lot of kids that week like miss you have a little snack or something and I just didn't and I was like oh my god like I need to have that so my mom was so gracious and amazing and she donated some food because she cannot stand when when kids or families like don't have access to food and are not eating um and she donated me food and so i told the students i said hey i got the food donations you know come by my room at this time and and i'll get that for you and i told them i said and i have to preface a lot cuz i want to prepare the students for everything like i i tell them like hey like i do a lot of crisis management in the schools and sometimes i get pulled away from my office like i can't plan these things because i have to handle a crisis situation so if i'm not in my room it's not because i forgot about you it's not because i don't care it's because i got pulled in, into something cuz another student you know really in that moment direly needed my help and sure enough like i'm happy that i prefaced that with the students that i was going to give them food i got pulled into something i had a student you know that I was dealing with I'm suicidal ideation and you know we had to do an assessment and all that stuff with them but it was just hard because while I'm sitting there with that one student I'm also thinking about my other kids that I couldn't get to my office to get them food and it just sometimes if sometimes it feels like not like a trade-off like not a not a trade-off like oh I didn't help that one or yeah I didn't help that one kid to help this kid and I just have to deal with that. I just have to deal with that because I want to be able to help them all at all times of the day. But that is like not possible. It's not possible at all. And just trying to like be there, be like be that constant because that's the thing. Like a lot of these kids, a lot of they're yelled at a lot, which I don't agree with. They're reprimanded a lot, which I don't I don't agree with. They they really try and hold them tight and control their behaviors, especially at my middle school. And they don't my middle school just isn't run very nicely and they're really hard on the kids. So it sucks when the the kids tell me that they don't see the support in the school and 
I try to like be better than that. But then a lot of the times like can't always meet their needs, you know, (sighs) because I'm roped into all the other things I'm roped into. Like it would be different if I knew that they felt the support and the love there, but they don't, they really don't. We have a mentoring program, which I think has helped some of my students with the teachers because there's teachers at my school that are amazing and care a lot, but not always do kids, you know, connect with the teacher. So just finding one person, that's always my list. You know, when I get a kid and I'm talking to them, who are your supports at home and at school? And if we don't have one, we need to start, we need to identify some because that can really change a kid's life. Like I'm, and when I ask them, I'm like, Hey, like, do you want a mentor? And they're like, Oh, well, how do I pick? And I'm like, someone who who you think is going to constantly be there for you, who cares for you, who gets you and who's going to have your back. Because that's so, so important for these students because they don't have, some of them don't have that at all, even at home. Uh, but yeah. All right. That's it. That's my last story. Thank you everybody for listening and I will see you in the next one. Bye.